Bibles and turn to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter uh, 15. We'll, we'll read there in a moment. I'm going to pray, ask the Lord to um, calm my nerves a bit, and then uh, we'll dive straight into this. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I thank you, Lord, for just the opportunity you've given me to, to stand up here and uh, preach to your congregation here at Wooden Valley Baptist Church. I thank you, Lord, for the awesome opportunity I've been given. I pray, Lord, that you would just be with me, help me to speak calmly, directly, and uh, not trip over my words, not stutter, uh, get straight to the point, and uh, I pray, Lord, it will be a blessing to everybody here. I thank you, Lord, for just the awesome service we've had today and just the opportunity that I get to be involved in it. And I pray, Lord, that you'll just bless our our ministries and endeavors here, and I pray, Lord, that this church will continue to be a lighthouse to our neighborhood and community, and uh, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, I, I love history. In my Sunday school class, I've been taking the opportunity to teach uh, history as well as Sunday school at the same time. Um, it calms my nerves when I have a familiar topic to talk about, and uh, I think it's important for uh, people in 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 churches to be very familiar with world history. We can we can change the future by the mistakes in the past, and that's been a common theme that's been taught to me as I've been raised in a church. You can learn a lot from your past and avoid mistakes. I know for a fact that my sister Abby has gotten fewer spankings than I did, and it's probably because I got all the spankings. She learned from our mistakes. She learned she's got five older siblings, and all of us have made mistakes. She's learned from our mistakes and has gotten fewer spankings because of it. I think. Jordan's shaking her head. Um, but, but that being said, I, I think it's important for all of us to study world history. We can learn a lot and change our future by the mistakes of the past. And so in our Sunday school class, I've been doing that. I've been going over uh, great heroes, people that did great things in the past, and how we can apply that to outreach, uh, modern warfare, if you will, the spiritual warfare that we face in our day-to-day -day lives. And so uh, today, I'm, I'm going to stick with that theme because familiarity calms, and, and history is what I'm familiar with. So we're going to go to one of my favorite battles uh, in, in history, the Battle of Salamis. Now, it's a weird name. Um, it, it reminds me of Salami, and I like it, so that's why I like this battle. Um, but in uh, 480 B.C., the Persian army had, at the time, the world's largest fleet in, in history. It was uh, 800 galleys. Now, a galley is a very large ship. I didn't look up to see how big it is because I don't care that much. Um, but a, a galley was, in this instance, was used to carry a lot of troops. And the Persian army, being as big as it was, the, the giant boulder that was rolling over all of the little tiny rocks on the road and crushing everybody that came in front of them, um, the, the, the boulder of the Persian army was moving towards Greece. And their first attack was to go towards the city of Athens, the city-state um, that, that has become famous as, as a place of learning and a place of knowledge. And it, it really achieved its crowning point because of this, this moment in history. As, as the Persians moved forward, they had to bring their fleet to a point to land, and they chose the Bay of Salamis. What they didn't take into account was the, uh, the terrain that they were moving into and they thought, and the concept I really want to focus on is they misplaced their value on what they had. They, they placed their value on their large ships to win them the battle. 
And when we look at history, what we find is the Greeks saw their larger ships and made smaller ones. They made small ships with low prows, very pointed tips to their ship, so that way when they, when they got to the battleground or the, the area where they would be fighting, they could charge full speed into the large, massive galleys. And due to their weight, the galleys would sit low in the water. And when they got rammed by these ships, the, the Greek triremes, it would puncture a hole at the water level. And due to their size and their weight and how many troops they carried, it actually would sink the ships. They placed their value in their size. And what ended up happening was 800 Persian vessels faced off with 370 Greek ships. 300 Persian vessels were sank at that battle. Only 40 Greek ships were lost. The size and the terrain, the, the, the narrow place that the, the Persians had chosen to put their ships, affected that, that battle. Because of this defeat, the Persians were post, had to postpone their invasion by a year. This gave the city-state of Greece, uh, the city-state of Athens, a chance to unite with the other uh, cities in the region, pool an army together, and at the Battle of Marathon, defeat the Persian army at the beginning of their invasion. That defeat gave the Greeks a taste of glory that would eventually end in the Hellenization of the entire world which I'm not going to go into the rest of the history, which is really awesome because without the Hellenization of the entire world, Greek would not have been a language that everybody spoke and the gospel wouldn't have been able to be spread as effectively without that common language. And you've got to study history because it will give you a greater appreciation uh, for, for Scripture. Now, keep in mind that, that concept of misplaced value. The Persians decided that the bigger ships were better. The Greeks decided smaller ships. The Persians thought, let's just put our ships all in this little tiny place. And the Greeks took advantage of that and were able to maneuver around the larger ships in the smaller space. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 20, it says, And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoil, sheep, and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in the obeying of the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness as, is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Misplaced value. Throughout scripture we find examples of people who, who do the wrong things for what they deem to be the right reasons. Um, David wanted to rest. He chose rest over being out at the time when kings go forth into battle. It cost him dearly. The trail of destruction that it led him down, the path of destruction that led him down, changed his family forever, changed the leadership in Israel forever. Ananias and Sapphira 
sold a plot of land and decided to hold back just a little bit. Maybe they had bills they had to pay. Goodness knows taxes are expensive. It's that time of year. We're all working on that. Ananias and Sapphira, they maybe had to withhold a little bit. They didn't give everything they pledged. They held back on it. It cost them their life. Obedience. They placed their value on the thing that they needed, the thing that they wanted over obedience to God. Here in this passage, we see Saul placed value on the show of sacrifice. He placed value on, on looking good to the people by, oh, here's the king of, of the um, Amalekites. Here's the sacrifices and the show. We're going to put on this big show of sacrificing all these great things to God. When the command was to destroy everything, his value was placed on things that are they're good. Sacrifice is good. Having a, a good public opinion is, 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 is important, but it's, it's not what God values. It's easy for us as Christians to misplace our value. Uh, we, uh, we like to think that, um, as I mentioned before, uh, money are bills over tithe. I've personally been here in the past. I've had something come up, and I needed to pay it off. But I didn't want to give God his due. And I, I can say it, it cost me in the long run. I, I gave what I was supposed to give God, and I paid off my bills, which is a good thing. It's good to pay your bills. It's good to owe no man anything. But it's more important to give God his tithe. We, uh, we put rest and, and relaxation over service. Uh, we, we like to relax on a Saturday instead of going to outreach. We like to relax on a Saturday instead of attending a funeral service and seeing how people can need help at a funeral service. We like to relax on a Sunday when we should be at evening service or at choir practice for our ministries. We like to relax in service instead of helping in the nursery. We like to relax in, in the pew and in your seats instead of teaching a Sunday school class like God's been placing on your heart. There are a lot of things in life that we would rather have. It's good to be in service. There's not a single person who would say it's bad to be in service. It's the right place to be. But is it where God has called you specifically to be? We've got ministries here that are suffering. We've got an announcement in, in the videos for nursery workers. Because there's people in the pews that God is poking at saying, oh, I need you to do something else. And we're not doing it because we would rather sit in here under the guise of hearing the, the, the message. It's not bad to hear the message, but you might be being called to serve somewhere else. We've misplaced our value. We prefer peace over contending for the faith, home over the mission field, image over being a Christian or a little Christ. The chair you sit in over the ministry that God has burdened you with. The list goes on, and, and we could spend all, all this time here. I can say that I have been in a lot of these seats. Uh, I, I can say that I've put my own personal opinions, feelings over what God has valued. And I, I could sit here. I'm sure a lot of the leadership in here would say they too have experienced this. But it's not about what I've done. It's up to each and every one of us to ask ourselves two questions. 
The first question being, have I misplaced my value? Have I allowed something to become more important than obeying God? In, uh, in the passage that we read, let's see here, it says in verse 23, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and it goes on to finish, he says he's being kicked, removed from the, king, uh, the kingship there. I want to point out that Saul led the, the, the movement to kill all the witches. So for Samuel to tell Saul, your disobedience is as bad as witchcraft, keep in mind, Saul killed all the witches. His, disobedient, his disobedience made him just as worthy of death as the witches that he had himself executed. It's not to say each and every one of us in here are going to die because of disobedience. But we find plenty of examples throughout Scripture where God punishes his children for their disobedience. And sometimes, especially with the, with the Lord's table and with the communion, it says many sleep because of the way they partake. Stands to reason that our disobedience before the Lord is kind of important. It's important for us to place the value where God has us, would want us to place it. So the first question I want us to ask ourselves is, have I misplaced my, my value? Is there something in your life that you know, you don't have to answer, you don't have to come to me and say, this is what it is. This is between you and God. You can deal with this at the altar, in your quiet time with the Lord. Ask Him to reveal it to you. But is there something in your life that you have placed above what God has commanded you to do. It might even be a good thing that you have put above what God's asked you to do. It's still not the right thing. The second question is, how can I be sure that my values are where they ought to be? So first question is, have I misplaced my value? And second question is, how do I know that I've misplaced it? What, what is a good test that I can do? And I, I liked the verse that uh, Brother Woods read earlier today. Um, I, I didn't even really honestly know the verse was there. Um, verse 27, it says, uh, pure religion and undefiled. And in James chapter 1, verse 27, Brother Woods' passage, which really got me excited about this because it kind of drew it all together for me. So pure religion and undefiled uh, before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widow, uh, widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. You know, if you want a good litmus test for, uh, for whether or not these things are what God values, it's kind of a, a good starting point right there in James, James chapter 1. I, I appreciated the way Brother Woods went about that, and that's where I kind of I felt like Brother Woods and I were moving on the same page there. Um, and also it says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, and I was afraid he was going to read this verse as well. It says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. If you want to know if your values are where they need to be, if it falls in that category, in verse uh, 16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but is of the world. If you cannot say with, assured, uh, uh, with assurity that what you value in life is of God, 
then it's probably of the world, and it's probably not where it should be. We're going to go ahead and wrap it up. I, I told everybody that it was going to be short as we were starting. I, I don't, I don't want to drag things out. I believe in landing the airplane when it's ready to land. Um, so just want to bring everything that we've said today straight to a point. The Persians valued the size and strength of their ships to defeat the Athenians. What they should have valued was what the Athenians valued. The agility and the environment that they chose to fight in. This cost them the war the Persians lost. Saul valued sacrifice and the show that would come from all the animals he brought to sacrifice from parading the enemy king around. It cost him the kingdom. What do you value? If it's not of Christ, if it's keeping you from being 100% all in for Christ, then it's misplaced. I want to end on this thought. Where have you misplaced your value? We all have problems. We all have things we struggle with and we deal with. Goodness knows I, I have my battles on a daily basis. We all do. But is it because we've misplaced our value? Is it because we've chosen to put something above God, even if it's a good thing? We're going to take a moment here. Uh, we're going to go ahead and everybody can stand. We're going to go into invitation.